Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John Fugelsang. This is SiriusXM Progress. Welcome. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Ivan Cantu has been executed by the state of Texas, despite overwhelming evidence that he may not have been guilty, and despite the fact that the religion the Texans claim to follow, that would be Jesus's, was started by a man named Jesus who prohibits the death penalty. He has been murdered legally in the state of Texas. His last words were, I don't think that this situation here will bring you closure. If it does, if this is what it takes or have any reservations off in your mind, then so be it. I'm John Fugelsang, and welcome. Uh, for the next three hours, we're going to be coming at you with all the news of the day. And guys, I don't know if you were following the news today, but it was pretty packed. It was quite a day. A lot of bad news. A lot of not-so-bad news. A lot of stuff that looks like it could be bad news, but ultimately might not be. We have some of our favorite guests on the show tonight. We'll be talking with the great Bob Seska very shortly on the broadcast. Dr. Tracy Pearson is here in hour number three. It's going to be a lot of politics and religion tonight, and I hope you'll join the conversation. 866-997-GRIT. It is the birthday of Chris Hauselt, our executive producer. He is not here, but you can go over to Moving Sideways on Twitter and send him some love. The mighty Thea Harper, uh, who did such a great job running the show yesterday for our Dr. Phil Town Hall. That's making some headlines, by the way. We'll get to that later. She's our producer tonight. Corey Keslick is helping us as well run the show, and I am so glad you are with us. The House and the Senate leaders have announced a deal to fund your government, and they say a short-term spending bill will be necessary. Donald Trump uh, is ineligible to run for the presidency because of his involvement in the January 6th attack on the Capitol again, this time in the state of Illinois. An Illinois judge ruled it today. They are the third state to kick the former president off the ballot. Donald Trump's lawyers have also confessed in writing that he doesn't have the money to pay the $466 million New York state fine. I thought he had $10 billion. I'm not good at math, but I, I think that's less than one twentieth of that. Hmm. President Biden continues to be fit for duty, according to the White House doctor Kevin O'Connor, in a memo after Biden's annual physical exam at Walter Reed. Dr. O'Connor said the president fully executes all of his responsibilities without any exemptions or accommodations. 
And Hunter Biden had his private testimony today before House investigators, and he delivered a blistering rebuke of the GOP investigation into his father. We'll be reading some of that later on. It's very well done. Matt Gates confirmed that Hunter Biden did not invoke his Fifth Amendment right even once today. If you're keeping score, uh, Donald Trump invoked his Fifth Amendment right 440 times, and Eric Trump did it 500 times in one deposition. Senator Tammy Duckworth tried today to pass a bill via unanimous consent that would establish federal protections for in vitro fertilization. It was blocked by Republican Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith. A 114-year-old woman in Houston named Elizabeth Francis just became the oldest living person in the U.S. after the death of 116-year-old Edie Ceccarelli. Congratulations, Miss Francis. May you hold your title for a very long time. And the last functioning hospital in northern Gaza, has been shut down. So there's a lot to unpack in today's news, and we haven't even gotten to the big stuff yet, but this was a day that we lost one of the funniest men I have ever seen perform, one of the funniest men I have ever known, one of the funniest men I have ever loved, Richard Lewis, who was listed in GQ's magazine's list of the 20th century's most influential humorists. Dark, dark, dark comedy, self-deprecation, wore black all the time, discussing his neuroses, gesticulating wildly. With the exception of George Carlin, there's not a comedian who has influenced me more as a performer than Richard. And he was very public about his struggles with substances, of course. It's one of the reasons why he was so great. You know, he was in John Candy's last movie, Wagons East, and he said after, after Candy died, he... He got sober. Um, Also, after waking up in the hospital uh, for a cocaine overdose, he got sober. (laughs) And he actually was fearless in talking about alcoholism and drug addiction. And in the 1995 drama Drunks, he gave a great dramatic performance opposite Faye Dunaway and Parker Posey and Spalding Gray. He did a lot of movies. He was a good actor. He starred in, in the sitcom Anything But Love with Jamie Lee Curtis. He played Prince John hilariously in Mel Brooks's Robin Hood Men in Tights. A lot of people know him as best for playing himself in HBO's Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry David was born in the same hospital three days apart as Richard. Uh, for me, it's about his stand-up. The, the Magical Misery Tour, the album Live from Hell, which has the funniest album cover ever of any stand-up comedy record. The Yale Book of Quotations gave him the credit for coining the phrase, the blank from hell, the date from hell, the night from hell. He he took credit for that. (laughs) And he published a great memoir called The Other Great Depression back in 2000 that I recommend very highly. He also has a great book called Reflections from Hell, Richard Lewis's Guide on How Not to Live. Richard was diagnosed uh, almost a year ago with Parkinson's, and he died of a heart attack in his sleep. It was very, very peaceful. He was only 76. I will miss his warm words. He was incredibly supportive to so many comedians and incredibly kind to me. Last time I saw him live was a little club on 14th Street in Greenwich Village. It's not there anymore, but about 10 years ago, we went with George Carlin's daughter and Ben Stiller's sister, the great Amy Stiller and Kelly Carlin, and it was one of the funniest shows I have ever seen seen in a club in my life. I will never get over his kindness. Do yourself a favor and get a hold of some Richard Lewis specials or albums and just marvel at the creativity and how he turned pain into gold. And I think Richard might be amused by some of today's news. The Republican National Committee. It looks like it's going to be taken over 
by Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, and top campaign official Chris Lasivitia. Chris Lasivitia is the one who will be getting the blame when it falls apart. Laura Trump will not. And I got to say, she is as qualified to run the RNC as she is to cover Tom Petty's songs. Yeah, they asked Jim Carvel about it, and he actually had a good line. He said, if President Biden appointed his granddaughter to be head of the DNC and then instructed her to funnel all of the money to Hunter Biden's defense fund, it's exactly what it is. And it's far from the most corrupt story of the day. That's going to be your Supreme Court. They have decided that they will review Donald Trump's unprecedented, illegal and silly claim that he is somehow shielded from prosecution for crimes he committed while in office. They're going to go ahead and take the case. An appellate court said, no, you can't break the laws of president. We don't have a king. You're subject to the law unanimously. But they're not as rigged as the Supreme Court. And now this has been done to delay his federal trial in Washington, D.C. on charges of conspiring to overturn his 2020 election loss to remain in power. This is the biggest court case in the history of this country. And now the high court has said they're going to have to decide on whether Trump can be tried for it. Because maybe a president's allowed to break the law whenever he wants. So they're pushing it off to April. It took them four days to adjudicate Bush v. Gore back in 2000. But now they need two months to have the hearing to talk about whether he can commit crimes as president. Whether it's legal for Joe Biden to assassinate Donald Trump and then assassinate any senator who wants to uh, remove him from office. Because that's what that's what's on the table. April 22nd, Donald Trump's legal defense team is on the Supreme Court and they're doing all they can to delay his trial until after the election. Six members of this court are putting their thumbs on the election. They're going to delay the trial after already causing a month's delay while making today's decision. This is really bad. The Republicans on this court want Donald Trump to win. It is hyper-partisan corruption. David Rothkoff wrote, Let's not beat around the bush. The decision by the Supreme Court to hear the Trump immunity case is outrageous and at its heart fundamentally corrupt. The appeals court decision was bulletproof and there is no case Trump has any sort of immunity. The decision not to hear it until late April makes further significant trial delays likely. They are deliberately delaying the trial without any reasonable legal reason to do so. This is a political decision. And in my estimation, an ugly one. Frank Figluzzi said, does a former president enjoy presidential immunity for conduct alleged to have involved official acts? No, that's not the issue, Supreme Court. The issue is whether he has immunity for criminal acts. Of course, he has immunity for official acts. They've told us how they're leaning. Their decision won't come until June 30th. The election's in November. There is no criminal justice system. This is a system that lets the super rich or powerful criminals get away with it. Again, Bush v. Gore was decided in four days. And then there's probably the story that got the most ink today. Not as important a story as the Supreme Court, but Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell announced he is not going to run for another term as leader. He is stepping down as Republican Senate leader to spend more time staring into the Ark of the Covenant as it's opened up. He is the longest-serving Senate leader, a huge figure in Congress, He's 82. He's going to finish his current term in the Senate, which will end in January of 2027. And he said he's going to serve out the rest of his term, just not as leader. Here's Mitch McConnell announces his retirement as Senate leader. One of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So I stand before you today, Mr. President, and my colleagues 
to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. However, I'll complete my job. My colleagues have given me until we select a new leader in November and they take the helm next January. Now, in discussing Mitch McConnell and his legacy, there's two defining elements you have to consider, and they're both connected. One, his successful corruption to create a conservative Supreme Court majority by denying the first black president, Barack Obama, an up or down vote on his duly appointed Supreme Court nominee, Merrick Garland, in 2016. For some reason, one president in history was told he could not have an up or down vote. And that was the one black one, Barack Obama, in 2016. Mitch McConnell decided for one full year that we would change the number of justices on the Supreme Court from nine to eight just to help the Republican Party. It is historic corruption. It deserves to be etched upon his tombstone. When you hear that there's 26,313 women in Texas who are being forced by the government to be pregnant against their will by their rapist, it's because of Mitch McConnell. It's because of that. And the other element of his legacy, he helped Donald Trump. He helped Trump get the presidency. He helped Trump get away with a terrorist attack on our Capitol trying to steal the presidency. And if Donald Trump becomes president again, Mitch McConnell, who hates Donald Trump, will be one of the reasons why. Politico spun it nobly. They said McConnell announced his intentions at an incredibly tense time for both himself and the party. He's trying to send billions of dollars more to Ukraine to fend off Russia and is confronting the likelihood that his party nominates former President Donald Trump, who McConnell has not spoken to for years. Mitch McConnell doesn't care about Ukraine enough. He's leaving. And he doesn't care about Donald Trump, who has had so many racist attacks against McConnell's wife. He hates him, and he'll do anything to help a man he knows is evil, corrupt, and bigoted achieve the presidency again. Lawrence O'Donnell said after an average Republican beginning of a Senate career, McConnell went on to do more harm to the Senate than any other senator in history. You remember 2016, Mitch McConnell announced he would block any Senate consideration of Barack Obama's Supreme Court nominee after Justice Scalia died several months before the 2016 presidential election. That's his legacy. Violating the Constitution by denying a president's Supreme Court nominee a confirmation hearing. And George Will said on PBS a few years ago, Mitch McConnell understood Trump's lies and he understood the coarseness and the vulgarity and the general seeminess of it all. But Mitch McConnell ultimately sold out his own values and put his support behind Trump. And he said Supreme Court was the real reason. He said, on the day when we lost, uh, which means on the sad day when we lost Justice Scalia, I made another pledge that Obama would not fill this seat. That honor will go to Donald Trump next year. And the predictable result of that was a conflicted and sinister Supreme Court taking rights away from women, privacy rights away from women. Women in this country have fewer rights than their mothers and grandmothers did because of Mitch McConnell. And he also unethically orchestrated the acquittal at Donald Trump's first impeachment trial, which then enabled Trump to launch his attack on the U.S. Capitol. Capitol Police released a statement a while ago expressing profound disappointment 
with Mitch McConnell for his all of his attempts to cover up the January 6th terror attack on the Capitol on Trump's behalf. So you're going to hear some of this in the mainstream media. And it's up to you to just say, stop whitewashing this guy's legacy. He is the reason Donald Trump was acquitted for a terror attack on Congress. He is the reason why reproductive rights have been stripped from American citizens. That guy, more than any individual, more than Donald Trump, is why Roe v. Wade is gone. That guy is the reason Donald Trump can run again. If Mitch McConnell had voted to convict the man he hated, Donald Trump would not be running. Mitch McConnell is a debit to his race. Let's also not forget, he told Republican donors to give the maximum amount of money to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, because they were determined to destroy Joe Biden's agenda to help this country out of COVID and recover. <laughs> because Mitch McConnell doesn't care if we recover from COVID. He only cares about his own evil tribe. This guy read the grapes of wrath and rooted for the bull weevil. Now, Mitch McConnell used to brag that he was a pro-civil rights guy. He did it all the time. He used to he, he was there for Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. He was in the audience. He said when he was a student at the University of Louisville, he helped organize the march on Frankfurt, the first state public accommodation law. He fa famously said, thanks to my role model, Republican Senator John Sherman Cooper, I was actually there when President Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act in the Capitol in 1965. That's how Mitch McConnell was in the 60s. And you're going to hear a lot of Republicans trying to make him out to be some kind of civil rights hero because of the stuff he did as a young man in the 1960s when he had no power. Once he had power, he was a rather different man. And the oldest civil rights organization in our country, the NAACP, you know, they rate members of Congress on how they vote on civil rights legislation, not just their words, but how they vote on civil rights laws. Mitch McConnell has an F on their current civil rights federal legislative report card. 60 is a passing grade. Mitch McConnell has 13%. He threatened to filibuster the, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act on states' rights grounds. Remember that? States' rights. Where have you heard that expression before? I'll tell you where. The Confederacy and those old segregationist right-wing Southern Democrats. States' rights. That's the white supremacist prayer and mantra for slavery, for Jim Crow laws. And those evil old Democrats in the 50s and 60s, those Dixiecrats, they filibustered every kind of civil rights legislation, like Strom Thurmond. You want to bash some Democrats? Let's do it. Strom Thurmond was a racist Democrat, a proud segregationist. In 1948, he gave one of the longest filibusters in history. Strom Thurmond joined a 60-day filibuster, the longest one ever, against the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Strom Thurmond called the Civil Rights Act of 64, again, which Mitch McConnell bragged. He was there to witness LBJ sign. Strom Thurmond... <laughs> He called uh, he called that. Let me get the right words here. Um, an obnoxious power grab. And Mitch McConnell. Loved Strom Thurmond in 1964. If you were a racist Democrat, you had a choice. You either stop being racist like Robert Byrd or you become a Republican like Strom Thurmond. And in a Senate speech in 1997, Mitch McConnell praised Strom Thurmond, calling him distinguished Strom Thurmond who was a segregationist and racist. Mitch McConnell said he remembered the excitement having been a son of the Deep South when Senator Thurmond decided to become a Republican. And last year, Mitch McConnell said the filibuster has no racial history at all. None. That's a lie. There is no dispute among our historians about that. I mean, it was born 
out of racism. And then, of course, the, you know, they asked Mitch McConnell uh, to denounce racist replacement theory. He wouldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He said, I cannot and will not support Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson to her lifetime supportment to the Supreme Court. And of course, there was that famous press conference in Washington where he said African-American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as Americans. Merrick Garland is a reminder that the only president ever denied an up or down vote on a Supreme Court nominee was also the only black one. And it's because of McConnell. I'm not saying McConnell was a racist for obstructing. I'm saying Mitch McConnell should have to defend why that wasn't racist every day for the rest of his life. So in closing, <laughs> think about where the Republican Party's at after a day like this. I know the Supreme Court story is scary, but look at the big picture here. Donald Trump, his court cases are getting worse. Under oath in his deposition, he said he was worth $10 billion, and he had over $3 billion in tangible assets and $400 million in cash. Now... He's telling the court he can't come up with uh, any more than $100 million. He needs to sell stuff. Trump is badly underperforming in these primaries. And the RNC is about to be run by his unqualified daughter-in-law, who can't even do a decent Tom Petty cover. Mitch McConnell's gone. He will be replaced by a pro-Trumper. And Mike Johnson, over in the House, he is already a puppet for Trump. When November comes around, every powerful Republican leader will either have been picked by Trump or will be a groveler. Donald Trump is going to own this party in ways he never has before. He controls every part of it. Donald Trump controls the Speaker and the House. He controls the RNC through his daughter. He controls the Supreme Court. And he controls whatever flunky is going to replace Mitch McConnell. Donald Trump, who drove the GOP to failure in 2018, 2020, 2022, and every special election in 2023, now controls everything. Mitch McConnell said, African-American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as American voters. The racists are all showing up to vote in November. Who else? Trump controls it all. I think Richard would find that funny. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls and the mighty Bob Seska. Let's get this thing moving. It's Sirius XM Progress. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is SiriusXM Progress. 
I am so glad to welcome Bob Seska back to the show after a crazy day like this. Bob is the host of the Bob Seska Show and Trek Politics. He's a regular voice here and on the Stephanie Miller Show, and he drops weekly columns and bonus material at his Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show. Mr. Seska, it's great to have you on a crazy day. Welcome back. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's strange. I should be exhausted, but I'm not. I, I'm... I'm... <laughs> I was reinvigorated by this ridiculous Supreme Court uh, decision tonight. So uh, I'm feeling good, John, even though it's been an insane day. Let's talk about it, because I honestly, yeah. I just thought like McConnell was going to be the big story of the day. And then I thought, oh, my God, we've lost Richard. And now suddenly the Supreme Court is a bunch of ringers who have decided that the founding fathers must have really missed having a king. I mean, that's it, right? That's, right. That, that's yeah. it. And you completely forgot the fact that Donald Trump offered 20 cents on the dollar to the New York appeals court in order to wiggle out of that gigantic penalty. And they denied him almost right away, which was oh, just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. By the, the, by the so, way, yeah, his lawyers confessed in writing he doesn't have the money to pay the fine. We also yeah. found out just a couple hours ago that an Illinois judge has ruled him ineligible to run for the presidency. That's the third state to have done it, to say nothing of the fact that Hunter Biden handed the Republican Party's asses to them, apparently. And yeah. uh, Republican Party decided to shoot themselves in the foot one more time and completely kill Tammy Duckworth's bill uh, for federal IVF protections because they really don't want any women to vote for their party coming right. up this November. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, ultimately, I think it's my optimism right now that's keeping me from leaping out this window right over here because uh, I, I get the sense that with this Supreme Court decision to hear this immunity case uh, the week of April 22nd, uh, there is obviously a lot to be scratching our heads about when it comes to this. Like the idea that Donald Trump can stand up in front of a microphone or get his representation to say that he fought Bionic Bigfoot in a forest one time and ripped Bionic Bigfoot's arm right off because Donald Trump is also himself Bionic. And then the Supreme Court goes, yeah, I think that's a gray area. Let's hear that. Let's Let's entertain that ridiculousness. That's the level of insanity. This this choice by the Supreme Court to hear this immunity case happens to be because it's to me, there's no there's no wiggle room here. There's no gray area when it comes to presidential immunity. This is the way it's always been. This is, there are myriad examples from history indicating that presidents are not above the law. When they leave office, they're just as susceptible to prosecution as any citizen in this nation. And yep. that's the way it's always been. For the Supreme Court to lend gray area, wiggle room for Donald Trump in this is absolutely uh, one of the most insane things this Supreme Court has done. And that that is saying a lot because it's done a lot of insane things and made a lot of insane choices. And we all know exactly why that is, by the way. Exactly. And allow me to insert this. Elections matter. <laughs> Who we vote for matters. How we mobilize before a major election like this matters in terms of not just who the president is not just right. what your pet issue becomes based on who which president or who the candidate is that gets elected but it comes down to things like the makeup of the supreme court and human rights constitutional rights that are determined by that court and i think the more we embrace that concept i think the better off in the long run we're going to be now all of uh, that aside spe please. speaking of elections john yes uh 
Here's the thing with this particular uh, case, the Jack Smith case in D.C. that started this whole conversation about immunity. Yes. Uh, started with because, Judge because, Chutkin. Just, just not to interrupt, but I, I've been saying for several months now, I consider the Jack Smith case to be the most important court case in the history of this country by far. Yeah. I mean, we've never yeah. had anything like this case before, and it's enormous. And it dwarfs every other case we're talking about um, That's right. that, that Donald Trump's faces, which is why he needed to call in his ringers on the court. You know, yeah. this wasn't yeah. a matter of, I mean, it's, it's delay, yeah, but this delay that they've uh, achieved today could mean that there won't be a trial in time for the election. But go ahead, Bob. Yes, and that is actually very true. And I think we need to wrap our heads around the concept that the trial will either be in progress during the election, which is going to be that'd be fine. Extra, yeah, be fine. madness. Fine, right? Or it's going to wrap up, and there's going to be a conviction prior to the election, or maybe just after the election. We don't know, but one way or another, if Donald Trump is convicted in this particular trial, the Judge Chutkin, D.C. insurrection trial with Jack Smith at the helm, he will absolutely appeal that ruling. I mean, he will go through the extra steps that it requires to wiggle out of that conviction. And even that could put us beyond the boundaries of, of this particular election. That could put us past November 5th. Just Donald Trump. If this had moved forward, if the Supreme Court had declined to hear this case and just left the D.C. Circuit's decision stand, then and and let's say the case started or the the trial got back in, into the normal proceedings let's say next week okay. and then the trial maybe two months after that gets underway uh in judge chutkin's court that goes on and on he's convicted maybe in say august then appeals i mean so we're talking about a process at this point that under the best circumstances may have pushed us beyond the election. And the point, the point that I'm trying to make in all of this is, ultimately, this does not come down to the Supreme Court or Jack Smith or Donald Trump or Judge Chutkin or what's going on, for that matter, in Georgia or New York City or in uh, the Southern District of Florida. This comes down to us as voters. We ultimately will decide whether Donald Trump goes to prison. Because let's say let's say Donald Trump is convicted and and he's sentenced to prison and all of that goes down in, say, October. Um, if he is elected president, that's it. I mean, he becomes dictator for life. It doesn't matter whether he's been convicted or not. So ultimately, again, this is about us. This is about us making the right choice right now to get behind whoever we need to get behind in order to dominate Donald Trump in this election, to dominate the Republican Party, to strip him of that opportunity. Because this is a very real, this is not just about Donald Trump uh, uh, wiggling out of prison. This is Donald Trump becoming dictator for life and wiggling out of every bit of accountability that he faces here, whether it's New York City or Fulton County. It's not going to matter whether it's state or whether it's federal this is about us and making sure Donald Trump is denied this opportunity to become president and then escape prison because of it, escape it. all accountability because of it. And in the process, remaining president for life, because he knows if he leaves office, he's going to be convicted again. 
And so that's the thing that we all have to bear in mind in this. You're right, man. This is why I am framing the upcoming election as a very simple reality show choice. You're not choosing between Trump and Biden to be in the White House. You're choosing, does Trump go to the White House or does Trump go to jail? That's the choice on the presidential ballot this year. And Bob, can we just take a moment here to thank Mm -hmm. all of those libs in seven swing states who were Mm -hmm. too pure to vote for Hillary? Because this is on them. The liberals... And I love Bernie Sanders, but Bernie Sanders campaigned hard for Hillary. It was those douchebags mm-hmm. in seven states who don't have <laughs> uteruses. Most of them, Bob, you know this? Most of those guys don't actually oh, yeah. have uteruses, so they could afford to be pure. And that's why mm-hmm. women have fewer rights than their mothers and their grandmothers. And that's why it looks like Donald Trump may get away with crimes that I, I, I just can't even believe it. I mean, the goal is to delay it so long that he can become president, appoint another attorney general and destroy the entire case. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think one of the things that gets flushed down the memory hole is the fact that the votes that Jill Stein got in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, if those votes had gone to Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump never would have been president. We would be coming up to the end of Hillary Clinton's second term as president, most likely at this point right now. I mean, obviously, Trump would have tried again. And I mean, we can get into hypotheticals here. But the fact remains that those three states, those Jill Stein voters, I mean, if you really want to break down the numbers, those Jill Stein voters delivered Donald Trump to us. Uh, And obviously, there are other things that, you know, surround that, that circulate around that idea. But basically, when it boils down to the math, that's the math. If those votes had gone to Hillary, none of this, we'd be going through none of this right now. It's an incredible thing to think of. And so what we can do at this point is not necessarily rend our garments about uh, 2016. What we can do is learn that lesson and do the right thing this time around, because it's not whether Joe Biden makes your socks go up and down. It's not whether you personally like Joe Biden and the fact that he's 81 years old and the fact that you have issues with him about Gaza or about uh, a bipartisan border deal that he was cutting with the Republicans or whatever your gripe with Joe Biden is. There is a big picture in our elections here, and it comes down to things like democracy. It comes down to things like civil rights. It comes down to things like bodily autonomy. It comes down to um, campaign finance. I mean, that's a huge deal when it comes to democracy. And, you know, and, and ultimately this comes down to as well, Donald Trump being held accountable for trying to overthrow an election. Boom. And, uh, and so, you know, that's what we have to bear in mind in all of this. And that's what we have to mobilize around so that we're not sitting here a year from now going, oh, why, oh, why did those votes in Michigan or why, oh, why did those votes in Nevada not go to Joe Biden when we could have rescued ourselves from, uh, you know, a, a tyrant who will remain in office for life, start rounding up brown people, uh, you know, changing the entire nature of the federal government. I mean, on we could do this list all night. Oh, no, let's talk about it. A 16-week national abortion ban pulling out of NATO, uh, defunding Mm -hmm. Ukraine so Putin can murder more people, um, revenge against his opponents, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah, being a dictator on day one. I mean, he's going to, who knows, maybe maybe he'll get to bomb Mexico. He's going to destroy climate science, more stupid trade wars that don't help us with our allies. Um, And then, of course, what they'll do with classrooms and culture wars and trying to kill the electric car. Am I leaving anything out? I'm not even sure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Deploying U.S. troops against other Americans. They'll do that, too. And then they'll sell shoes, Bob. So they'll cover all the bases. 
Yeah. Well, Donald Trump, if Donald Trump becomes president again, one thing that we can count on for sure is we are one giant step closer to human extinction. I think you kind of touched on it in your list there, too. But I, mean, I think that's one thing yeah. we can't overlook here. And you know what? Stopping him requires voting for Joe Biden, mobilizing for Joe Biden, mobilizing for Democrats up and down the board, state legislatures especially, so that we can start to, uh, you know, where we can continue to parlay the success we've had recently into something that will very realistically eliminate Donald Trump from right public life at the very right least. On. This yeah. this Republican Party, they've, they've gone in 50 years from I am not a crook to <laughs> a crook is not a crook. Yeah. I want to get a call in with you, Bob, That's while we, while we sure. have you. Uh, let me go to Marie in Atlanta. Marie, welcome. You are on with the great Bob Sesco. What do you make of the Supreme Court, Counselor? Oh, goodness. Um, I hate to be the, the party pooper here, That not that we were having a party, but I do want to <laughs> say that um, there's actually a worst case scenario than what we've already identified. Oh, good. Tell us. Um, <laughs> rule three of the Supreme Court rules um, says that the court ha- holds a continuous term commencing on first Monday in October, ending the day before the first Monday in October of the following year. Um, at the That's end right. of each term, cases pending on the document on the docket are continued to the next term. So while it is tradition that opinions are issued at the end of June, that is not an obligation of the court. Mm. Okay. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody is uh, assuming so what you're that, saying is this we'll court, if this, this court has the ways and means and the fuckery to go ahead and hear the case. And again, the Bush v. Gore was three days, um, mm-hmm. four days. Uh, they're going to they're going to he- hear the case. They, they have to wait two months to decide if a president's allowed to commit all the crimes he fucking wants. And then they could just stall and run out the clock and not deliver their verdict until October of next year. Or January of the year thereafter. Uh, there is nothing here that obligates the court to issue an opinion within a certain time frame. Because if there were, if they didn't issue their, their opinion by that time frame, then the lower court decision would stand. Are, are you guys amazed at how hard the Republicans are trying to drive Democratic voter turnout? Because that's all I'm hearing from any of this. I mean, <laughs> wait, yeah. the, the in vitro fertilization and Trump's not going to pay his fines. And I mean, and they're they're trying to disenfranchise 82 million Americans and justify trying to throw out our votes. And this is all happening in the same day. My God, mm-hmm. Joe Biden yep. campaigned in a bathrobe. All right, Marie, uh, I refuse you, to be know, down do about we... any of it. Thank you, Marie. Do, do... Thank you so much. Go ahead, Bob. Thank you. I was going to say, I, I was wondering if uh, Marie understood or knew how long a, a typical trial like this would take. Uh, and I was a bastard just said thank you to her, and she went off into that good night. So, <laughs> there Marie, she goes. Yeah, yeah. call back. But, we I mean, need I, you. Go yeah, ahead, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm wondering if, again, under normal circumstances, if the Supreme Court, again, had declined to hear this case and just let the D.C. Circuit decision stand, if uh, if we had still been in this crash compactor leading up to the election and 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 under the best of circumstances, not gotten a, a conviction by the time the November election rolls around. I mean, I, right. I don't know how long these things typically last, but it seems like trials like this can have the the very real potential of carrying on and on and on. Um, the other thing that we, we need to bear in mind, too, is that the Alvin Bragg case in New York City is March still moving 25th. forward. I mean, yep. there's there's the very real possibility that as far as voters understanding whether or not Donald Trump has been convicted of a crime, that an- that could be that question could it's be answered by the Alvin Bragg prosecution, the other election interference prosecution in New York City uh, happening. That's right. So 
in that and, regard, and I think that's also good news. The Fonnie Willis case is moving forward as well. Their little smear yeah. uh, fell apart yesterday on the stand. They did succeed in delaying it a few yeah. more days. But even yeah. Judge Cannon, in that case, Trump-appointed judge, is not going to allow Trump's lawyers to see the secret witness list. So, I mean, you know, uh, there there will be other trials and there will be other other things happening this year. Right. I, I, while I have you still, Mr. Seska, our final minutes, I want to ask if you can remember way back in time, I don't know if you can remember this far back, this morning, when we were all talking about the South Carolina and Michigan primaries. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts uh, after those. They were both quite interesting. Uh, Donald Trump is, all I can say is if Joe Biden was not able to crack 60% of his own party, it's all we'd hear from the media. And Donald Trump can't do it, and the media can't stop talking about how he's dominating Nikki Haley in these contests. Oh, yeah, yeah. And in fact, that was a a word I think Kristen Welker used on Meet the Press on Sunday, that Donald Trump dominated the South Carolina primary. He trounced his opponent, Nikki Haley. I mean, it was amazing. You could actually hear uh, what was on the teleprompter, where the the words that needed to be emphasized were accented on the teleprompter because she nailed all those words. She made sure to emphasize the fact that uh, Donald Trump destroyed Nikki Haley in the South Carolina primary, even though he did not. He did not destroy because ultimately, and I'm not the first person to say this, but Donald Trump is also an incumbent, an incumbent president running for a second term. So Mm -hmm. in that regard, typically incumbents do the same thing that Joe Biden has done in all these primaries, which is to win with 80, 90, 95, 98 percent of the vote. I mean, that's the standard operating procedure. Right. For, that's what uh, Joe Biden did in, uh, in South Carolina, 98 yeah. percent of the vote. And um, and now in Michigan, we saw a, ver- a significant protest vote against Joe Biden, which I think is very healthy. I have no problem with what we saw. They didn't sure. abandon Joe Biden. They didn't abandon the party. They didn't go and vote for Donald Trump, which would be suicide for Muslims. They said, hey, we're going to let you know in a nonviolent way you're still going to win, but we're going to vote for uncommitted. So you'll know how much you need us in this important state of Michigan come November. And I actually thought it was a great act of nonviolent political protest at the ballot box. What did you think? Absolutely. I totally agree. Although it doesn't have any bearing on what happens in November. It's not a bellwether for how Joe Biden's going to do in Michigan in November. And obviously, Michigan is going to be an important state. But if we look at history and recent history and go back to the 2012 election, and this is something, again, this is not something that I've observed. This is all over the place today. But uh, there was an uncommitted vote against Barack Obama in Michigan in 2012. That's right. And that was... uh, almost 11 percent and so if we're talking about the uncommitted vote in michigan the other night 13.3 percent well that's statistically the same i mean it's basically the same there's probably more voters in michigan today 12 years after 2012 than there was uh when barack obama was running in that primary so in that regard just basic population would mean more uh voter registration would mean a higher protest vote we have Marie in Atlanta back on the line. Good okay. God, Marie. I was just Great. kidding. Okay, line seven. Marie, you're, you're back <laughs> on, you. counselor. You may approach you, the bench. Marie. Yeah. What was your question for, uh, for Marie? Yeah, Marie, how long do you think this trial would have taken under normal circumstances? Let's say the trial started today in Judge Chutkin's court and everything were, was going as normal. Is there a sense of how long that would take or is it just completely up to circumstance? Not knowing entirely what what evidence um, Jack Smith intends to put up, 
I would benchmark the actual trial time at probably three weeks. Federal court tends to move pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I think it's going to take the longer amount of time is the jury selection. Because oh. remember, you're going to have you're going to have to go through. I, I I would not be surprised if they had to go through three times the normal size pool in order to right. get jurors who all delay um, could sit. Yeah. Yeah. Delay, delay, delay. That's that's Donald Trump's entire way of trying to prove himself completely exonerated and innocent. And, and I have a follow up for Marie, which is uh, sure. if Donald Trump is convicted, let's say the jury selection takes a month and there's another three weeks for the trial itself. So we're talking about seven weeks. Uh, there's a few days for deliberations. The jury comes back. Donald Trump is convicted. Is he forced to go to prison is that federal law like he would have to go to prison uh even if he was appealing or how does that work because we've only got 10 seconds we only have 10 seconds for your answer marie go ahead okay short answer not necessarily it all depends upon what the judge decides in terms of letting him stay out uh pending okay All right. That answers my question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you, Marie. And Bob, the time cops are on my trail. I'm so sorry. Uh, We had like 19 subjects to get to today, but my God, the fuckery is too dense. How do we follow you and keep up with your work? Uh, You can follow my podcast everywhere. You get your podcast Just search for the Bob Seska show. And then also Patreon is patreon.com slash Bob Seska show. You're the best at what you do, sir. We'll see you next week. And thank you so much. Quick break. We'll be right back with your calls here on Sirius XM Progress. Don't go away. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Let me go to Brian in Oregon. Brian on line nine. How are you? Hello? Hi, Brian. What's up? Oh, hi. I didn't hear my name. <laughs> you That's okay. So Hello? About Richard. Um, oh, yeah. Too bad about um, Richard. We barely got to know him. What's up? <laughs> well, he was short but sweet. Um, the, uh, before I forget, um, the best national anthem I think I've ever heard was Marvin Gaye doing the national anthem at the 1983 NBA All-Star Game. Oh. It's amazing, and I haven't, my, all of a sudden my Alexa has quit playing it. But if you can find it, I think you really, at least for a few minutes, get a kick out of it. Okay, I've heard, no, I've heard Marvin Gaye's National Anthem before. It's great. That's your favorite? Oh, you have. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's yes. amazing. 
It's very good. I yeah. One what, I've ever heard. what made you anyway, think of that? What made you think of that? I thought, well, I've been trying to tell you that for about the last six or nine months. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm glad we could finally have this tête-à-tête and achieve this. I'm going to tell you, go, go, go on YouTube and look for this version. It's 20 years old from the 2004 election season. Bruce Springsteen, when he would open his set at the Vote for Change tour for John Kerry, he played the national anthem every night on just a 12-string guitar, just an instrumental and I guarantee wow. it'll make you stand up and scream. It's crazy great. And it's, oh, it's Springsteen, no vocals. It says Bruce is a guitarist on a 12-string, and it is insane. You'll love it. Boy, that's amazing. I'll have to see if I can, we can figure that out. Um, yeah. And I heard apparently Jimi Hendrix did it once, but I don't have any information on that. What, what else is on your mind? <laughs> it might have gone somewhere. I think it was back in 1969, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, tell me what, what else is on your mind tonight. Oh, well, I got, the, uh, well, the Supreme Court and uh, all that, uh, as they say, Michigas with uh, those wingnuts. But I'm realizing that it's really throwing the ball back into uh, we, the people's court, to not let this asshole, well, as you know, asshole Trump, uh, there's not even a big enough word. Asshole doesn't quite describe Trump. Um, but uh, to get back into the White House, because that's the yeah. best way to get him uh, in front of these federal uh, trials and all his other bullshit. It's uh, true. As, as awful as it is, it's true. You know, no one's going to come rescue us. Uh, Jimmy Carter, Barack Obama, uh, Jesus, Gandhi, Black Panther, Batman, no one's going to come rescue Jack Smith, Merrick Garland, no. It's going to, the only thing that's going to stop this is high voter turnout. So exactly. the Supreme Court is corrupt and it's disgusting and it's horrible. And the only sol- the only solution, high voter turnout, the only solution to poverty and income inequality and, and, and uh, women's reproductive freedom, high voter turnout. Vote for Democrats and then kick their asses every day. I totally approve of what the voters in Michigan did with Joe Biden. They didn't try to vote him out of office. They didn't try to hurt him. They tried to send him a signal that what you're doing and what you're not doing is not cool. And it's the only thing that works. Too many people vote Democrat and then think, okay, the good guy won, and they check out. And it's like, no, these are Democrats. They're A lot of them suck. You have to really stay on their case. And I, I do think that the needle is moved with Joe Biden. I've seen him grow, and I've seen him respond to what the voters want. He's become much more progressive, and I respect him for it. Hey, me too. And, and I think also... Uh, Joe Biden is a throwback to before Trump, where a lot of this kind of diplomacy was quiet. And there wasn't tweeting on, oh, I told uh, Netanyahu to fuck off and do something. You know, there wasn't like what Trump was doing every fucking day. Do people remember how idiotic and he's firing his... uh, No, they don't. People people have no memories. People have no memories. We are all, as a nation, the guy the, the guy from Memento. People have forgotten how awful Bush and Cheney were because of Trump. So I'm not shocked they've forgotten how awful Trump was. It just is, uh, God, anyways, it just is mind-blowing. But I, I've got optimism uh, with the American people. Plus, I would also urge people, don't believe a fucking word these Republicans say, no matter who they are. You're a uh, dog catcher. I don't want my dog being caught by some Republican asshole. Yep. Uh, and uh, that's that's kind of it. By the way, I think uh, Mike. Uh, I better not say that. I'm not going to say oh. that about Mike Johnson. He's okay. a Christian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. 
And don't and bestiality. I was going to link him with bestiality, but I was that metaphor I'll just keep to myself in my own house. Okay, my legal department agrees, but thank you very much. Enjoy your bestiality in your own house. I always say that. <laughs> Cheerio. Thank you so much. You know what? I've been yapping here all this time while I have someone like Dr. Tracy Pearson waiting on hold. She is a legal analyst and consultant appearing on TV, radio, and podcasts. You may have seen her or read her in Forbes or Fast Company, the New York Post, Cheddar News, or News Nation. Follow her at Tracy Explains. Dr. Pearson, it is so good to have you back. Welcome. It is so wonderful to be back. I am so glad you are back from, from your break, your trip, and it was wonderful seeing you in L.A. Thank you for joining us in the Hollywood studios. It's really great to, uh, that, that we can always count on you to come and, uh, and class that place up as well. You know, before we even dive into the news, I just want to play you this clip uh, from Chuck Schumer earlier today. Because as you know, Chuck Schumer is the most charismatic speaker in the entire Democratic Party. But here he is, uh, more or less today, saying what I think a lot of people feel in the wake of this IVF controversy, that America's become an embarrassment in regards to reproductive rights. Clip A1. After last week's stunningly radical decision by the Alabama Supreme Court jeopardizing IVF access, the United States has become an embarrassment to the world when it comes to reproductive freedom. Even sadder, Mr. President, this didn't happen in a vacuum. The hard right MAGA Supreme Court decisions to overturn Roe v. Wade opened the floodgates for Republicans to force their anti-reproductive freedom, their anti-women agenda, down the throats of all Americans. And as you know, Doctor, um, despite Dobbs, the abortion numbers remain pretty consistent, don't they? They are. Uh, A new study came out today that has told us that they really only varied by a a few thousand. Um, So it it is about around the same number, around 80,000 or so. Um, And go ahead. Well, does that mean more abortions are taking place in the states that haven't banned it? It means that the same the same number of abortions are happening. People are traveling when they need to. Um, they are using uh, the uh, mifepristone uh, pill. Oh, you're one right. out of every six. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it that isn't even as I guess as um, as commonplace. It's only one out of every six to me, which seems to be a small number. Um, And so people are, in fact, traveling and they're traveling for the reasons that that we've talked about in the past, which are um, that it's not available in in their state. They have a medical condition that requires them to to unfortunately make this choice Um, or, you know, there's there's another reason for it. And it is one of those things where um, we knew that this was going to happen. We knew that it was not going to eliminate abortion. We knew that states that tried to outlaw it were not going to be successful at it. I mean, think about it. Even though it was 1973 when the case of, of Roe v. Wade was first decided and then its progeny after that, um, it, we we are so much more connected than we, we used to be. And so, you know, you hop in a car and you go, you hop on a train, you go, you hop on a flight, you go. And there are, are um, organizations that have cropped up. There are private pilots that have taken to um, flying people for free if they need it. Um, and so it is something that isn't going to be stopped. It's just going to be made more difficult. 
Yeah. And, and of course, now they think one in six uh, terminations happen because of mythopristone, which people are getting via telemedicine. And of course, going for these medication abortion, non-surgical, that's their next goal, isn't it? They're going to try to find a way to have this pill banned. Another Trump, another Trump hired judge in Amarillo, as you know, is the one who's trying to do it. And I think this is only a couple of steps away from them going through American citizens mail to make sure it's not being mailed to them. Yeah, I mean, I think about the time when we started to get our, our medication from Canada because the pharmacies were less expensive and um, that wasn't something that was legal. And so stuff would be stopped at the um, at, you know, at uh, immigration, uh, you know, control where the mail comes through into the country um, into customs. And so we may, in fact, be in a situation where where you may see that, you know, that sort of shipment that would be in a, a typical box or something that looked like um, something that, that they could spot right away. Uh, right. It might be a possibility. I think that um, it, to me, it just it is screaming just the level of, of it was so transparent. Everything is so transparent. Um, and I think I tweeted about this earlier this week or last week, uh, you know, the IVF decision in, in Alabama. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, then you've got the Senate, you know, or you've got Senate Republicans blocking bills with respect to IVF. Um uh, treat, you know, treatment, protection of that treatment. And you sit here and you scratch your head and you go, okay, wait a minute, hold on a second. So we can't get an abortion, but we also can't get pregnant through IVF. And um, we also can't, uh, wait a minute, how about stem cell, you know, stem cell treatment? Because the federal government has has put their little finger on that in relation to, it, it was sort of connected to all of the abortion regulations. And mm -hmm. so what about that? Because the state that's if abortion is a state's rights issue and if IVF is a supposed state rights issue, how about stem cell research? That's right. Yeah. But but also, you know, as insane as all this is, it, it is part of their overall goal, which is fetal personhood. Again, none of this happens in the Bible. None of this is mentioned in the Bible, but they don't care about what's in the Bible. They care about what they think should be in the Bible. And now, in Mitch McConnell's home state, they're they're doing some bill that, on the surface, looks like it it's it's pro expectant moms, but it's actually a bit weird. What what is the deal with collecting child support for children who aren't children yet? They're they are attempting to advance a, a bill in Kentucky that will allow a. Um, a person to seek uh, child support going back to essentially conception um, and to pay for for the the costs of childbirth um, and to get reimbursed for all of those expenses. Um, Which, it, by the it, way, just let me say, should be free in this country. <laughs> like you're, you're trying to ban abortion, then show me your plan to make pregnancy and childbirth and and early child care free. Uh, that's just my i'm sorry to cut you off no exactly no no absolutely cut me off because exactly i see these tiktoks where they compare like what goes on in france and the united states in the united states they give you a bill for a hundred thousand dollars in france they give you a two thousand dollar check and everything you need yeah. um yeah. and no bill <laughs> yeah um but they are trying to to um 
to create sort of a fetal personhood um, sort of circumstance where that therefore by attaching the child support to it, they are um, able to to sort of encapsulate the fetus as as a quote human being as a as an as a as a human being that would get child that you would get child support for if the child were born my exactly. problem with that is that first of all if the child is not born because of uh we have stillbirths in this country still um and and you know we have have pregnancies fail um at alarming rates um that that that's going to create some problems um yeah. <laughs> and um it is it is all wrapped up in in just um, you know, I said at the very beginning when when Dobbs came out, I think that day I was on like five different TV shows and I said, you know, then get get give us child support from the moment of conception. Give us child right. support from the moment of conception, because yeah. that is going to to create hopefully some incentive for men to get on board with the idea that we should have autonomy over our bodies. If you have to be on the hook for child support and I've done a lot of child support cases in my career, um, mm. it, they don't like it. <laughs> they really don't. The, when we the, come the, for the, your money. Mm -mm. Uh, the, the in vitro fertilization stuff is is just crazy to me. It's terrifying. One in six people are impacted by infertility. And it seems like, at least in Alabama, it's destroying the chance for infertile couples to use IVF in the state. And uh, I'm wondering on a legal level, I have a lot of questions about this. I've been making up a list of my questions like, are individuals with frozen embryos mandated to implant every single one of them, or will they face murder charges if they don't, I, I, or child abuse charges if you don't implant your embryo in a fetus fast? Are they going to give them social security numbers since they're people? What happens if a doctor implants an embryo that doesn't develop? Is, is he on the hook for manslaughter? I mean, and, and of course, if a fertilized egg is frozen for 18 years, can it vote? <laughs> Or 21 years, can it buy beer? If they're people, can we do it? Is a shelf full of these things legally a preschool? I don't think they've thought this through, Dr. Pearson. No, they haven't. And and I, But I also want to draw some distinctions about this case. But um, it, no, I wonder how old people are in Alabama right now. I mean, how old are you? Are you actually the age that you are when, when you popped out? Or are you the age that you are when you were conceived? I have no idea. I mean, um, I assume if you're 20 years and three months, you're now drinking age, right? Like Exactly. Well, you think about we the number of people who are going to be nine able to months vote. older. In, yeah, we all got nine months older in Alabama. So 17 uh, years and three months, you can vote. I think that, that people need to understand this case a little bit better. And I know that you probably have covered it, but that... That the case itself had to do with a novel attempt to try to make it a wrongful death case. The, um, there was a patient that was wandering around a facility, had unplugged and destroyed uh, embryos belonging to, That's to the That's the weird plaintiffs. thing to me. Who was this patient that was somehow allowed access into the place where they freeze the embryos, which, by the way, aren't locked in any way, and he opens up a drawer, picks one up, oh, it's cold, and drops it on the ground, and that... Three sets of parents had paid to have embryos stored there, and all of them had their kids, but the other embryos are still there. One was destroyed. Now it's murder. It seems it, like it, it was fixed. It, well, it seems a little bit goofy, doesn't it? And and I'm it I'm does. not sure on why 
um, you know, how we got there. But it was actually a tort case. It was brought as a wrongful death case as as opposed to like a destruction of property or um, a an attempt to go after the uh, the facility in 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 various ways. It was it was done as a wrongful death case. And so that's how we get here where this this judge is spouting off about the Bible in in a in a judicial decision from his state government. Um, and so I think that that's something people need to keep in mind is that it wasn't the, the decision wasn't meant to be overarching and all encompassing. But because of the environment that we are all now living in, um, whether you are a provider, whether you're a, you know, a doctor, whether you're a facility, whether you're a woman, whatever the case may be here. The environment that we're all living in is that when we hear something like this, we go, what's the absolute inane extrapolation that this could be taken to? And our brains do it just automatically from a survival perspective because your right. your your base implicit bias is survival. So immediately we go, what is this? Is, uh, what are you trying to do here? Because we can't trust these governments to do the right thing because we've seen time and time and time again that they aren't doing the right thing by us, by women. Right. Wow. I, I, I think this is another case of the dog catching the car. I really think that Donald Trump knows what a loser this is. I mean, Donald Trump's walking around talking about how we need a 16-week national abortion ban, which is a national abortion ban. I don't care how long it is. Like, like, but, but Trump knows this issue is a loser for Republicans, and I think a lot of them realize that this IVF issue is a big loser for Republicans. It's not just that you're going to stop women from having body autonomy. Now you're going to stop them from having kids if they want to have them. It, it just, they are not going to run out of ways to alienate women. It's Pandora's box. They're going to go after our birth control. People who think that an IUD causes an abortion. Um, they're they're going to go after all of the various ways in which we have been able to control our lives so that we can make ourselves equal in uh, in in society and have have equal footing or at least equity to be able to compete with them. And and, you know, it came from this this one idea. And then what happened is the box blew open and they went, oh, we didn't we didn't attempt for all of that to come out. Wait a minute, put that back in and you can't because so now true. these judges think they are empowered to do this. You know, they can spout the Bible from their their judicial decisions. And it's like it's it's to some degree, it's a little bit quote funny to watch it because it's like, oh yeah, you try to get back that back in the box right now. No, you don't have enough arms. Um, yeah. And and yet at the same time, it's impacting real people. Mm. We were at 866-997-4748. Greta in Long Beach, welcome. You're on SiriusXM with Dr. Tracy. How are you tonight? Hi, Greta. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Hi, Greta. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. I talked to you two nights ago. It's great to have you back. I'm back. I'm back. Greta from Long Beach, California. Thank you. Okay, so I ha I'm dovetailing off of what she just said about um, the IVF and opening up Pandora's box. It's like I could go mad. I could go crazy. I could lose my mind and lose sleep over this and probably have a brain aneurysm. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. It's possible, though. It really is. Okay. But, okay, so what I really called to talk about was uh, I was watching MSNBC tonight, and then the Supreme Court took up the immunity 
um, the immunity argument. Yes, it's pretty disgusting, yes. And that really, like, one, it pissed me off. Two, they had, like, real, you know, MSNBC has good attorneys and things. Andrew Weissman and Glenn Kirshner. And they're, like, they're, like, kind of dumbfounded. And they're, like, where is this going to go now? I mean, the corruption is not just so stark and revealed. It's it's also really stupid. I mean, we all know that presidents aren't immune from prosecution for crimes they commit while president. But Donald Trump does this stupid stuff because he's all about delay, delay, delay. And once again, just like we've seen with Judge Cannon, Tracy... It really pays for a defendant to have hired several of his judges. And in this case, he's hired three of the Supreme Court judges uh, who who will adjudicate his fate. In in what world is this legal? And and how can Clarence Thomas not recuse himself? On a a day like today where Mitch McConnell said he's not going to run again. And we knew that already. That put Merrick Garland. Yeah. Unable to be on this on. um, Supreme Court. It's true. We, Tracy? Yeah, I mean, I've got a different take on this. And you know, you know, I tend to come at things from a different perspective sometimes. And I really hate it, Tracy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't hate it. Don't okay. look. We love you having having your views, and we love it when you call. the 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 key here is that I looked at the calendar, and they have arguments three days a week, and I have looked at the exact calendar, and I've looked at what they've got scheduled, and they are basically pushing this case in between now and and April 22nd. And I know that they have to be able to, um, they have to deal with the reply briefs. They have asked for amicus briefs. And I get that we all understand that this is a basic thing that we all understand should be common sense that that a president, you know, it doesn't have immunity for crimes. Um, But here's the thing. We don't have a decision that says that. And so we need one that says that clearly because we don't have one that says that. And so I'm taking it from the perspective of this is, in fact, a case that belongs in front of the Supreme Court that we have that somebody is using due process. They're exercising their due process rights. It's not due process for me and not for thee. And so this person is taking his case up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has looked and said, you know what? We no, 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 we don't have. We, I disagree with you, Greta. We don't have um, a case on this. We don't have this decision, and we're sick and tired of this bullshit, and we're going to make a decision exactly. on it. Yeah. And so he, I think that, that, exactly. that they are going to make the decision. I think they are going to, to evaluate the law. I think that we have found in the past that presidents are not immune from... from but, the, but, but Tracy, isn't the whole point that like they, they, they did Bush v. Gore in four days... And that they was now an emergency. Need, this right? is not. I know, I but mean, but they incredible. need but but they need two they need two months. They need two months to have the hearing. Like it was it's already been adjudicated in the lower court, but no, we have to wait till the end of April. Two months long to have this hearing. See, and it's all designed excuse me one second, Greta, please let me finish time. my sentence. It's all designed to push back the start date of the trial and by the way i'm fine with this trial starting like right before the election i don't mind if it's gone if it's ongoing during the actual uh, election day this i see mm-hmm. i think that people have become too committed and too invested in the idea that that we have a legal solution to the trump problem we have to have a democratic solution to the trump problem which is that you get off your ass you get to work and you vote 
Okay, that's yeah. the answer. Absolutely. The answer is not the Supreme Court. But here's the thing. The the Bush v. Gore case, number one, they fucked that up, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, so they bad. jumped into it. They jumped yeah. into it. And number two, um, it, it was an emergency. If you look at it in the best light possible, it was, in fact, an emergency. They were counting freaking votes. We had a timeline here we had to get well, to. And it which just was- so happened to be Jeb Bush's state. Oh, I am not going to believe maliciousness. I don't see as a lawyer. I choose not to see maliciousness unless you show me proof of maliciousness. And so uh, you can assume (laughs) you can assume things all you want. You can read into it your own belief system. Yeah, we're not lawyers. We can do that. We can. You can do that. I am telling you that I am looking at the Supreme Court calendar and I know that there's a legal process. And that having a reply brief, having amicus briefs, making sure that they aren't rushing to judgment on it, making sure that they're giving everybody ample say due process, everybody getting due process as part of the system and being able to then have uh, they have to read all that crap. Then they have to have the argument date. Then they have to have a conference and they have to write the the damn opinion and write it well. And I think Mm. that it is. Can I just go ahead a little bit? Sure. Really quick, because we got a lot of callers. Go ahead. What I want to say is Donald Trump doesn't deserve any of that because he's filthy and he's disloyal. He's dishonest and he is a the way we treat people in this country who are the filthiest and the most disloyal says the most about our democracy. So he gets the same rights that you and I do. Well, you're kind. <laughs> Isn't she? That's why. That's why we have her. That's why we beg her to come on our show yeah, every that's week. What, you're, you're great. You're great. You're kind. I just, I just I, can't with him. I know, but we have to, Greta. Like the the, the problem is, if you're if you're going to choose to be on the side of the good guys, it sucks. But you have to yeah. be on the side of the good guys, and you got to go high when they you, go low, I and all those cliches because I, they want us to be as shitty as them, and we can't. I sit back and I, I, I just suck it in and I just hold it inside and then I just want to burst. You don't need to hold it inside either. Listen, don't forget, stop and smell the train wreck. Donald Trump's not going to be the president again, most likely. He's going to be broke, most likely. He's going to become the second man in history to lose the U.S. popular vote three times, most likely. And he's still got 91 charges hanging against him and even if he becomes president he can't dismiss georgia and new york so believe me there's going to be a lot of schadenfreude for you i promise (laughs) i pray to god john i love you love you back doll thank you so much thank you tracy talks us (laughs) off ledges all the time we're at 866-997-4748 were you surprised though trace i thought i thought they were gonna just bump this back down to the lower court and punt it i mean i and i I can't wait to see Clarence Thomas not recuse himself from a January 6th case. I I, I hope Eric, I, I, I mean, I hope uh, Jack Smith indicts Ginny Thomas before we get to that date. I think when I when I thought about it, I thought that it was reasonable to think that they could have declined to accept the case. But after they accepted the case, I thought about it and I, I said, what would be a reason for why they would do that as, as a court? And And a reason would be is. Well, shit, we didn't have a decision on this before, and we need one because we've got a problem. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of your calls and more of Dr. Tracy. I got a lot of things I want to ask you about, including I want to ask you a little bit about Hunter Biden, too. um, And also how women who aren't able to get divorces while they're pregnant in this century in certain states. Finally, people are talking about it. We'll be right back on SiriusXM Progress. 
And welcome back. Uh, let's go to the phones. Norm in Tampa. Happy uh, Mitch McConnell's checking out day, Norm. Welcome. You're on progress with Dr. Tracy. Hey, Norm. Hello. Hello. Hello, hey, sir. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Hey, fine, fine. Here's another one of my things I was wanted to talk. Actually, it was about Christian nationalism. Please tell us. Uh, Please. Oh, yeah. I wanted you to check this out. When we talk about Christian nationalism, that is the core value of the Afrikaans Church in uh, Dutch Reform. Okay. And check out this thing called the, the Dopper Intellectuals, okay? This is where this thing starts, and it starts in South Africa, you know, the environment, the revolution, you know, they fight against the, as part of their tribe, they arrived under these circumstances, as they put it. Anyway, so there's this division that takes place, and in Christian nationalism, it, 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 there was a division that took place in this in this nationalism, where the Doppler intellectuals, Doppler intellectuals, rejected apartheid. Okay. Okay. This went on for about twenty years, and they found a religious way to resolve it. And these guys, uh, who, like for example, these Seven Mountain principles and stuff, right? You know, you're writing so much of what we call the the they call it the Afrikaner jingle. Okay, a jingle, a jingoism, where it, uh, it, it, they take on this uh, this belief that they're the superior race, superior okay. everything. So where are we going with this? Of, where are we going with this, Norm? Where are so we going with this? The point is, I just want you to check it out because there's an origin to to Christian nationalism. All they seem to have done is just taken their take gone in, look at the the old books of the you know the the Nazi eugenic, yeah, and boom. Come up with that, and that's and, and that's essentially what I just want people to. Just and I'll remind you that Jer- Jerry Falwell himself supported apartheid, called Bishop Tutu a phony, and urged Americans to invest right. in Cougarons at the height of apartheid. And Ronald Reagan was only too happy to support the apartheid regime as well. And, and Thank that you, Norm. Was part of that. All right, all right. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Um, it's getting scary out there, Tracy. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. It's getting scary. But I I also want to ask you about Trump. Um, He said today that he can't get a bond for the full amount of the New York Attorney General's civil fraud judgment. Uh, This guy, I thought he had $10 billion and a couple of billion lying around. But um, what does this mean exactly that uh, he doesn't have the funds right now beyond the fact that Trump is broke is trending around the world? Yeah, I, it looks like the emperor has no clothes, which we always knew. Um, <laughs> and New Yorkers always knew. Um, yeah, put but basically, on him, someone. Somebody put <laughs> something on him. Um, and so basically what, what he did was he filed a motion with the court asking for the a stay to be put in place so that the New York AG um, doesn't go and take his properties like she continues to say she's going to do. I love her tweets, by the way. She's yes. listening. I love your tweets. Um, and then um, he said that he could put up a, a 100, uh, what was it, a $100 million bond. Um, and I, basically the court came back immediately and said, yeah, pound sand, no. Um, and what the court did say, though, yeah, is he, that he offered, he said, hey, how about this? I'll give you one tenth of what the court yes. has told me I have to pay. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah, He thought he thought he was back in New York doing deals. Um, oh. And so what 
what the court did do, though, is it lifted the ban on um, taking out loans or, or encumbering loans. And, and there's a reason behind that. Um, when you get a, a bond, it is not a loan. It's a surety against property. So it feels like a loan. And you basically pledge collateral to support the bond um, up, you know, up to a certain amount. And so basically he was prevented from doing that. He was also uh, apparently doesn't have the cash that he claims he's got. And um, or if he does, he doesn't want to spend it all. Um, Hmm. And so in order to be able to put up the bond now, those properties that he would probably pledge as collateral, um, we don't know that they're free and clear. We don't know that they don't have liens against them from other lenders. So we have no real idea, at least I don't, what his equity is and and how much he can secure a bond for. And the reason why you want that is because you want the person who was awarded the judgment, assuming that you lose on appeal, which most um, civil cases do lose on appeal, um, that you want them to be able to collect what they were owed because it's very possible that the person could go attempt to file bankruptcy. Now, bankruptcy in this case, probably would not work because um, things that are not dischargeable include debts owed to the government, which this is. Right. So he can't get out of this then, can he? I mean, even if he steals the presidency, he his his only hope is to lock up his accusers and and the attorney general. I mean, he can't there's there's no way for him to weasel out of this. He's going to have to sell off some of his properties or Eric. (laughs) he's going to have to do something. He's going to have to sell off his properties. He's going to have to get his daughter-in-law to, to take all the money from the, you know, RNC and funnel it into an account for him. Oh, don't you think that's why she's been given that job? And by the way, I think this guy hiring his unqualified daughter-in-law to do to the RNC, what you did to a great Tom Petty song. I think great. Let him bankrupt. He is just going to be a parasite on the Republican party. He controls the house. He's going to control the Senate once McConnell's gone and a shill is put in place. He controls the RNC. He controls the Supreme Court. And none of that is going to be enough to help him become president. Right. Um, he absolutely needs money. And, and it is totally a money grab. She is completely 100 percent not qualified around the RNC. And in fact, Beautiful. stood up and, and said that, that every single dime that comes into the RNC is going to go to Donald Trump's campaign. And there's a really important point about <sighs> that Beautiful. is that the Republicans have always played the game well. They always have played the game well, supporting down ballot races. That basically means that the down ballot races will be effed. They will be absolutely effed because of the fact that all the money is going to be going towards Donald Trump's campaign. Mm, Say it slower. It's beautiful. (laughs) In other words, the Democrats are going to take both houses. Well, I, let's not go that far. I mean, maybe it, we'll, we'll see how huge the turnout can be. But I do think that if they keep pushing this IVF ban, I, I, I just don't see how they I mean, I don't see anything this party is doing to make itself more popular. And he's doing worse in the primaries now than he did in 2020. So yes. I just see him eroding his own support, even in his own party. And he's- I am here for it. He's pissing women off. I mean, women are pissed. And I have been saying this. I think I said this before in the show that, I, I, you know, I've been on KNXLA. I've been on, on you know, TV stations all over the place. And, and I have been saying this for years. I mean, we're talking years now about the fact that abortion is a driver to the polls for women. Totally. And people, people 
push back at me on this. And I'm just like, well, you're wrong. And then what happens is we have a special election. All of a sudden we, we, you know, pick up seats. And I think that people really need to just buckle down, stop wringing your hands, stop crying over this Supreme Court stuff. Forget about it. Just forget about it. It's going to do what it's going to do. Even if he is locked up in prison, you know what? He can still potentially be president. We don't have rules about these things. So what you need to do is get up off your butts and you need to start working for Joe Biden. You need to Get to your websites, get to your computer, look up after the show, look up uh, Joe Biden's campaign website and sign up to help him. What the hell are you doing? Stop bitching. Love it. Love it. Let me go to uh, our good friend Bill in New Jersey. Bill, welcome. You're on progress. Hello, sir. Hello, Bill. Hi. Hey, what's up? What's up with you? How you doing? Very good. I don't know. All this wrangling that he's trying to do to get out of going to jail... I really think the easiest thing would be for him to get on his plane, make a uh, uh, you know a report saying he's going to uh, New York, and then just veer off and go to Russia, and that would be you know preferable to what he's trying to do. Be easy. I don't know. I don't know. I do think there's a very good chance his life ends in a country without an extradition treaty. I don't know what Russia would do with him. He's of no use to Putin over there. He's of no well, use to Putin. And he's also somebody who it would would you know he challenges everybody. Putin doesn't want to pay him in in his backyard being a pain yeah, in the but, ass. But to you him. you would agree though there there are there are suitcases full of cash in a plane somewhere, right? He's got that stash for a while, I think. In theory, there is actually. Yeah. A, uh, sorry, go ahead, Bill. I can say there's actually a value in having a president, even if it's him. But um, I wanted to ask another question, a legal one. Okay. Okay. If, what, what they're trying to do with abortion is true, and it's all based on religion or something uh, congressman figures out how old the baby's supposed to be. Um, can't the Hindus start uh, the stop of slaughter of cattle uh, because it's, you know, it's uh, God to them? And couldn't they refuse people? You've lost me. But, uh, well, I, I think I understand what he's go saying. Ahead, Tracy, he's, please, go ahead. Yeah, he's he's saying basically that can't 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 another religion pick something that that would be equally as important or more important to right. them. You know why they that can't? would be important to us. You know why Power. they can't? Because the Hindus, uh, their religion says don't eat cows, so they don't. But here's the crazy thing: they don't try to impose their superstitions on other people. They don't try to make us live by their rules. That's why the Hindus, in many cases, are better Christians than the Christians. Well, the Dalai Lama does eat meat. Um, He's not Hindu. He's a vegetarian, but he will eat meat if he's invited to a home, and that's what they're serving. Dalai Dalai Lama's Buddhist, not Hindu. Dalai Lama's Buddhist, not Hindu. I know, he's Buddhist, but it's the same deal. He won't. Uh, he won't eat meat. But if he served it, it's his obligation to eat it. Um, but um, anyway, I, I, it's the same thing though. Imposing your religion on somebody else. One last thing about Mitch McConnell: the yeah. fact that his wife was working for a different branch of the government while he was running another branch is in ter- ter- terrible ethics. I mean, and yeah. she she was. She was running the uh, Labor Department when they were losing 750,000 jobs a month. 
and mm-hmm. she went on to work for uh, Trump as the uh, transportation secretary, even though her family is involved in it and yeah. was making money. Elaine Chow. No, I'll tell you what's more messed yeah. up than that, that Donald Trump has been relentlessly racist against Mitch McConnell's wife, and Mitch McConnell is still going to do everything he can to make Trump president again anyway. Right. But he's got uh, 53% of uh, Kentuckians uh, disapprove of Mitch McConnell anyway. So they I always have. He's ne- his, his approval rating is always terrible, but he brings, the, he brings the money home for the industry in his state, and he gets the big donations, and that's why he's unbeatable in the elections. I guess so. All right. Well, they don't keep him in office because oh, of his personality, bro. That's true. Yeah, there's not much going on there. I would be afraid to be in a room, like you know, staring whatever he does. I, I, I'd be afraid for him. I just want to make sure he's okay. He always looks like he's just peeked into the Ark of the Covenant and he's melting. Uh, Bill, thank you so very much.